0: E.G. Marshall. It is a generally accepted theory that no man is all good or all bad, that there is a mixture of both in all of us, that we are all in some degree Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But is it possible that a man could be all evil, all selfish, all destructive without a single saving grace? This is a study of such a man. will the old goat never die
1: the bishop is dead he asked for you at the last did you hear me Carl? i hear you of course i did and now by heaven you're going to hear me asked for me did he the slavering old hypocrite. Come on. <laughs> he, he could no more stand the sight of me than I of him. But now he's gone and there's nothing to stop me. The estate is mine. The money is mine. Now I can rock the rafters, the seven deadly sins, the Ten Commandments. I'm to commit all the first and I'll break all the second. ho. Oh, 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 I'm going to cut such a swath. The devil himself will envy me.
0: mystery drama Markheim Man or Monster was suggested by the Robert Louis Stevenson classic and was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars Kevin McCarthy I'm going to cut such a swath that the devil himself will envy me these explosive words from the tall young man who had waited so long for his great-uncle to die shook the man who had brought the news, Dr. John Devlin. In stunned disbelief, he looked at the handsome young man still in his thirties, whom he loved as a son, while memory raced quickly through his head. I had known
1: Karl Markheim all his life. I should. I brought him into the world. Perhaps what I should be saying is I thought I had known him. Oh, I realized that beneath the dark, Byronic beauty of his physical presence and his magnetic charm, he was lazy and shiftless and frequently arrogant. But since his parents' death, I had stood in loco parentis to him and accepted his faults as any parent eventually must do with a grown man. And yet till this moment... I had failed to realize the ugly evilness that lurked deep within him. (laughs) Carl, control yourself. The house is full of mourners who loved and respected the great man we have just lost. Come with me quickly into the library so you can get hold of yourself. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I can control myself, Uncle John. If I could keep myself in hand, swallow my bile all those years I had to scratch for handouts, how easy do you think it's going to be for me now that I'm king of the hill. Carl, boy, save some pity and sorrow for the poor old man. He was your great uncle. He was a family nemesis. He sat on the estate and the money, pontificating on the virtues of frugality and self-denial, refusing my father his share, hounding him into mediocrity, turning him into a fawning dog, killing him in the end. And my mother with him, may he rot in hell. The, The bishop... Well, then, in heaven, wherever he chooses, or wherever he was led, all I care for is that at last he is dead and I am alive and free. Oh, come. Come, Uncle. Let's start the festivities. I follow my foster son from the room, my old legs unable to keep up with the vigorous stride of his younger ones. I watch him pass among the guests a perfect picture of subdued grief and compassion. His tall figure above everyone as he moves through the crowd of mourners towards the Childers family. Oldest and dearest friends of Carl's father and mother. And I cannot believe it, watching him now. The thoughts that he has put into words in front of me. Carl, my dear boy, my deepest condolences. Thank you, Mr. Childers.
2: I'm sorry, too, Carl. I-, I wish there was something I could do to help.
1: Thank you, Grace. But it, it had to come eventually, didn't it?
3: As it must to all men. And women, too, I suppose.
1: Oh, never to you, Mrs. Childers. You look like Grace's sister. Oh, she...
3: Now, there's the wildest of compliments from a young man to a woman teetering on the edge of her prime.
1: Now, that's true enough, madam that you are in your prime, but far from the edge. You
3: are very gallant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you are very out of key for such a solemn occasion, Gertrude. Oh, I'm
3: sorry, Winston. I certainly didn't mean to say or do anything inappropriate.
1: Uh, When will the actual internment be Carl? Oh, I'll have to ask Uncle John. He can tell you exactly what's planned. Oh, hello there, Dr. Devlin. Hi, Mr. Childers. Mrs. Childers, Grace.
3: How do you do? Always a pleasure to see you, Dr. Devlin, even under these most unhappy circumstances.
1: I've got to get a breath of air, Grace. You want to join me on the balcony? Oh, yes. Will you excuse us for a moment? Uncle John, I leave everything in your charge. I, 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 I've I, got to get away, and Grace has been kind enough to offer to accompany me. Now, just a moment. I think that... I
3: think we should let the young people have a moment alone to gather themselves together, as the rest of us must plan to do. Well, uh, of course, darling,
1: if you think so. you will excuse us, then. Uh, by all means.
2: Oh, look, Carl. There's a full moon.
1: Mm, lover's moon. Strange thing to have to equate with death.
2: I can't imagine death. I can't even think how it might be.
1: No, how could you? At Eighteen.
2: Nineteen. Almost Twenty.
1: You growing up so soon, little Grace.
2: I have been grown up for some time. And let's not go through any of that old routine about how you used to dangle me on your knee. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Didn't
2: I? Well, if you did, I was either much too old or you much too young. Hmm. How old are you anyway?
1: Older than the pyramids. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Before my great uncle died. Now... I've dropped a decade like a snake sloughs his skin. I'm back to my 20s, not my 30s.
2: Oh, I wish you really believed that. Carl, I've been in love with you all my life. I wish you could see me as a woman. Grace,
1: my dear. Carl, uh, excuse me, but the undertakers are here. I think you ought to be with us to make the arrangements. Just call me Angel Grace, the Angel of Death. As presumptive heir, I must spread my wings and fly to sit and hatch the golden eggs with all due pomp and ceremony.
2: Oh, I'd love to call you angel. But for very different reasons. And now you can afford a wife.
1: And now you are a very forward little minx. And, mmm, an attractive one. Carl, how are you coming? Oh, I wouldn't miss it for the world, Uncle John. I can't wait to be in at that death. displeased with you, Gertrude.
3: Are you Winston, dear. What about this time?
1: Grace. Sending her off with that great Markheim.
3: You disapprove of young Markheim as a husband for Grace?
1: He's not young. He's in his
3: thirties, young enough, and uh, now gloriously rich.
1: And I'm sorry to disappoint you, my dear, but as family lawyer, I happen to have drawn the bishop's will. The entire estate goes to the church, except for a small pittance to his grandnephew.
3: Oh, no. Oh, look at Grace—the way she looks at him. You can see she adores him, and
1: she, well, she does have money of her own. On which, as long as I have any say about it, you'll never lay a finger. For coming this way. I'm returning your daughter to you, safe and sound. If you'll excuse me, I—I I understand the undertakers are here, and I shall be needed. Then we'll go. Uh, Grace, uh, you and your mother go home. I—I I shall stay for the reading of the will. So soon? Uh, if. You prefer to wait? No, no, by all means, let's have anything pleasant that we can on this unfortunately dreary occasion. I shall make all due haste to have the bishop transported to the mortician so that he can robe and prepare him for his lost retreat. Carl! Oh, forgive me, Mr. and Mrs. Childers, but Carl, you're keeping us waiting. If you'll excuse me. Quite all right. I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry Uncle John. I didn't realize that the old boy was in that much of a hurry. <laughs> believe it. Everything! The estate, this house, all the money to the church... You heard the will. I'll contest it. I'll drag it through every court. Now, easy. Mighty Carl, easy. He left you a yearly now. A thousand pounds a year? Well, that's not enough to keep me in cigars. I think the bishop had it in mind that it was high time for you to start earning your own living. Don't you look down your nose at me, you pompous fat. Carl, control yourself. It's oh, quite all right, Dr. Devlin. I can well understand uh. Markheim's disappointment. <laughs> but time will accustom him to his new status in life. The will entitles him to stay on for six months in the house.
2: It
1: will take that long to clear probate anyhow. You'll never clear probate. I'll contest. That's your election. But let me warn you, Markheim. I drew this will, and it's ironclad. You can't break it. Ah. Besides, it'll cost money to contest, and it seems that's what you have, in your own words, very little of. Ah. Good day, gentlemen. Oh, good day, Mr. Tudors. Oh, that
0: fat, supercilious,
1: vulgar little... carl oh, will you stop it? I... I can't bear to see you like this. You mean as I really am? No, no, I won't believe that of you. Then watch me find a way to cut him down to size. You can't, Carl. You have no power to change what is. Oh, you think not? You think not? When one has no scruples and long ago buried his conscience, anything and everything is possible. Now, stop looking so scandalized. Is the naked truth more than your Victorian morals can bear?
2: Oh, I'm so glad you came to dinner, Carl.
1: Well, how could I refuse? Except that your father wasn't quite so happy.
2: Oh, Dad'll come around? Mother and I will see to that. I can't think why he's taken this sudden turn against you. I'll
1: tell you why. It's because of the will. My beloved great uncle has left me practically penniless. Oh, no. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, my poor darling. <laughs> oh, but you, with your wonderful brain and, and all your connections, <laughs> you can find a way to be as rich as you want to be.
1: Well, that takes time, and. I don't get any younger.
2: Oh, you'll never look old.
1: I adore you, my darling. I have all my life... watching... waiting for you to grow up. To be old enough to ask you to be... well... it's all impossible now.
2: What's impossible? For us to be married? Just because you haven't much money? Well, I have more than enough for both of us. Mine that my uncle left me. Oh... Darling, darling, if that's all that stands between us. Kiss me. And we'll be married as soon as it's decent.
1: No, sir. Never will I give my consent. You'll never get either my daughter or her money. As when she's twenty one. I... I know you're staying, power. You'll never wait that long. You and my daughter will never be married. I wouldn't be so sure of that, Mr. Childers. I promise you that I'll give you cause to regret your attitude before all is done between us.
2: Oh, my darling, I... Mm. I, I love you so. Mm. If... If this is the only way, then... Then I'm not ashamed. Mm. I'll be proud.
1: It's the only way. And I promise you... Mm,
2: you won't be Sorry. How can I ever be sorry for loving you?
1: You poisonous scoundrel! Is, is this true grace?
2: Yes, Father.
1: You're going to have his baby? <laughs> How long?
2: I'm in my fourth month.
1: Lord, no! It would seem, Mr. Childers, that after all, a marriage
0: has been arranged. Without scruples or conscience, anything is possible. It would seem that Karl Markheim's statement is right. Let's see his score so far. Of the seven capital sins, he has committed all but uh, perhaps envy and gluttony. And he's only beginning to break the commandments. Can he reach his goal? I'll be back shortly with Act Two. A marriage was arranged And young Grace Childers became Carl Markheim's willing bride If some people thought it was a little close after the bishop's death Most people felt that Carl had waited long enough to take the step The church was gracious also For a promised yearly contribution, they granted the use of the Markheim house and grounds. To people at large, only one thing was any different in this marriage. And that was that the newlyweds did not take their honeymoon immediately following the wedding. How is Grace Uncle John?
1: In perfect health. She'll make a wonderful mother. I have something to say about your wife's pregnancy. Mm. What's that? It's starting to show... Fortunately, however, there is a remedy. What are you suggesting? That you take your wife on an extended honeymoon in Europe. I'd say a, a year's visit at least. By the time you return, there'll be no embarrassment for anyone. Well, it's impossible. I don't have any money. Your wife would be glad to lend it to you. No, except that that starch shirt that she calls Papa has managed to sew it up legally. And the estate won't give me an advance. Anyway, I'll, I'll arrange it somehow. I'll talk to Mr. Childers. Do you love that girl you married? Hmm. You're the only one I'll give the truth. You see, my reflection in the mantelpiece mirror... With this reflection, I'm happy to realize I'm breaking two commandments at once. what do you mean? The first and the second. Thou shalt have no other god but me, and thou shalt not make for yourself a graven image. There is my graven image in the mirror, Uncle John. Myself. What I love first before any... What is it? Who is he? I can't see him, clearly. How do he? Who did you bring with you? I bring. What are you talking about? Behind you, over your shoulder. I, I saw it in the mirror. A face. There's no one behind me. We're all alone. But when I turned to the mirror, I, I, I can't. I you can't can see what, Carl. Nothing. There's nothing there. No. Oh, I guess perhaps I... <laughs> I've been too busy indulging the sixth of the seven deadly sins—gluttony, in my case, the bottle. Ah, leaving only envy. You know something, Carl? I think you need this trip as much as that dear little wife of yours does. I think it might be the best hope for both of you. I'll talk to Childers and show him that without it, I'd be the devil to pay for all of you. I respect your opinion, Dr. Devlin. And I applaud your belief that there is one decent streak somewhere in that young blackguard's makeup. that I'll do everything legally in my power to keep his hands off my daughter's money. But it is her money. She's not of age. She's married and having a child, it seems to me, age is irrelevant. What is irrelevant
3: is my husband, Dr. Devlin. He's a century behind his times. Which is exactly why he's going to release Grace's money and stay out of this.
1: Gertrude, I don't want you interfering
3: There are a lot of things you don't want, Winston, but I'm not going to stop to listen to them because it might take weeks. Now, you don't want to look like a fool. You don't want to be embarrassed among our acquaintances. What are you talking about? Well, you would call it your daughter's good name. I call it a spade. Your good name. Your reputation. Carl and Grace will have a child less than five months after they're married. If they have it here, you'll be a laughingstock. If they return a year, two years from now, from an extended trip on the continent, who's to say what age the child is? And your reputation will be salvaged, as well as your daughter's. You have no choice.
1: She had cut to the heart of the matter, and Childers had to give in. Grace got her money, and Carl and she their honeymoon. If... That's the proper name for it. I made a trip to France myself to deliver the baby, which I'm sad to say was fruitless since the child was born dead. Now, 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 you mustn't take it so hard, Grace. It was no one's fault. Perhaps. I can assure you medically it was sheer unfortunate accident. It... It was better, actually, this child didn't live. But that doesn't mean you can't have as many more as you want.
2: As I want? Yes. The problem isn't me, Dr. Devlin. It's what Carl wants. Well,
1: Grace. after I've talked
2: to him... Can you talk to him is the question. Can anyone talk to him?
1: What is it, my dear... You can confide in me.
2: No. No, I won't say anything against my husband. I still love him. God help me. He can't seem to help Carl. Maybe you... Maybe you are the only one who can.
1: It was a sordid, sickening tale I learned from acquaintances and friends that Grace had made... Before I faced Carl himself, in the last months of her pregnancy, he seemed to have gone berserk, leaving her for days at a time, staggering home only to sober up, leaving again for his women who were legion, his wine glass, which was always in his hand, his gambling, which was prodigious and disastrous. And yet, when I met him again, to outward looks, he seemed to thrive on his degeneracy, I found him at a bar, sitting on a stool facing the mirror. A glass of cognac in hand. What are you doing here, Carl? Oh, what else, Uncle John? Celebrating the birth of a new era. Carl Markheim's father. Don't tell me the blessed event has arrived. Your baby was born... dead. Thank God. What? Ah, Carrashed. There goes another commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. Third, isn't it? And today is Sunday, so that does away with number four. Are you mad drinking at a bar while your wife lies mourning in the hospital? Mourning your lost child. And more than that, I expect. Lost love that never was. But there is enough more lost. I'm broke, Uncle John. Cleaned out. No love. No child. No money. You've gone through all Grace's money in less than six mm-hmm. months. Wine women in the little clicking bar. Uh, at least you still have your thousand a year. Oh no 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 <laughs> That's mortgage too. Very well let's let's not discuss it here. Come we'll we'll get to the hospital and pick up Grace and I'll see that all of you get home. Wait a minute. what is it now? You see between us and behind us in the mirror. He's waiting. He's always waiting. He will not let me go. There's no one there, Carl. Not when you turn around, but I haven't the courage for that anymore. In case he might be. All right, then, I'll prove it to you. I'll turn you. There. Do you see anyone? No. Then let's be on our way. I was desperately worried about Carl, of course. But in the few days before we left France, he, he seemed to dry out satisfactorily. Grace and he had a tearful reunion, and without a return to London, he appeared to take hold of himself. Grace and he seemed to have found some working arrangement, and I hesitated to interfere further. if only I hadn't... Not one penny.
2: But, Winston, if our daughter
1: is actually starved... She can come home where she belongs.
2: I love him. And we are not all that helpless.
1: Really? Without money, what do you intend to live on? Markheim's wits? They haven't been very successful so far.
2: That period of his life is past. He is working now. At what? He's... investing?
1: Without money? <laughs> That's quite a trick.
2: Well, he'll raise the money. He's assured me of that. How? Well, well, we still have the house, the the furniture. We can sell those and get smaller quarters. Sell the house and the...
1: Gertrude? Yes, Winston? Uh, Perhaps I am too hard on Markheim. Money I can't give him. But maybe I can put him in the way of being very rich. Where is he, Grace?
2: Downstairs, in the carriage.
1: Well, tell him I'll talk with
2: him. Oh, yes, Papa. Winston,
3: what are you up to?
1: What I'm up to is none of your business, Gertrude. I won't pretend to have any love for you, Markheim, and I have no money to lend you. But for my daughter's sake... I will allow you this one last chance. The name of the stock? Southern Rhodesian Rand. You see how much of it I'm holding. i bought every share I could afford. And you're sure it's a bonanza? Mark, I'm... I'm their lawyer. They've discovered the greatest motherload of gold since the Comstock in America. Ooh. It'll make millionaires of us. Is there stock available? Yes, Still. I can arrange that for you through my broker. Strictly cash. After Monday, when the news will break, there won't be a share left. You've three days left, remember. Good Friday, the exchange will be closed. I'll have the money before then. By hook or by crook. Good morning, Mr. Ross. Uh, Who is that? Oh, it's uh, you, Markheim. Well, uh, what is it this time? The usual, my frugal and parsimonious friend, I am in need of cash. Only for a matter of days, however. Uh, days? Hmm. And what is the security? The entire contents of my mansion. A treasure house. Uh, what is a few days? You shall have it back the Monday after Easter Sunday. Well, it, uh, it can do no harm to look. I, I shall be at your house by two this afternoon. Then we have an agreement. Uh, softly, softly. First, let's let the cat out of the bag. I do not intend to buy a pig in a poke. Carl? Yes, Grace? D- did you get them? Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, <laughs> 5,000 shares at two pounds apiece. Oh. By Monday or Tuesday, it'll be past 100 pounds and climbing. Oh. We're rich, Grace. Oh. Rich for the rest of our lives. Oh,
2: darling, I'm so glad. <laughs> Particularly since it's all thanks to Papa.
1: No thanks for me. It was for you he did it. If this stock should fail me.
2: Oh, but it won't. Not if Papa Yes, that...
1: thank heaven I have that security. He's holding as much of it as I am.
2: Then try to forgive and forget. Carl, come to the country with us for an old-fashioned Easter. And let's be a real family at last.
1: Oh, damn it. I, I couldn't stomach the whole weekend. I'll make a bargain. You go up tomorrow with them and I'll join you on Sunday. I'm quite sure one day will be all your father and I can stand of each other.
3: Thank God I found you at home.
1: Gertrude? Oh, my poor darling. Gertrude, what is it? Something happened to Grace.
3: No, no, no. I've left for the country, but I had to see you the first moment he was gone. The stock. Is it true you bought it? Oh, yes, yes, but what? Oh, for Lord, it? what are you going to do? He's ruined you. The stock you bought was his. He swindled you into buying it.
0: Swindled me?
3: Yes. The company is bankrupt. Those certificates you hold are not worth the paper they're written on.
2: For a
0: moment, Markheim stares at Gertrude in utter incredulity. Then, as he turns in a fury to slam his fist against the wall, there, in the hall mirror, he sees his reflection and Gertrude's. And behind them, Smiling with an almost satanic glee, the face of the man who taunts and haunts him. I'll return shortly with Act 3. At the sight of that tantalizing mirror image, his eyes, misted by the red blood of frustrated fury, Carl Markheim whirls back towards Gertrude, frozen into immobility at the door. Hands in front of him, fingers curled as if to choke and strangle, he moves toward her until suddenly she cries out, Carl? What? What? Oh, oh. oh it's you. Oh, for a moment I thought.
1: No. No, he's gone again. Who? My name is It huh? doesn't matter. Come. Come, let's go inside. I need a drink.
3: For a moment, I thought you were going to strangle me.
1: Mm. Not you. Him. Winston. Huh? Who? Oh, him. No, no. no. well, if he were here, and if what you say is true, I might have. It's true.
3: You can pour me a drink, too. I almost wish he had been here.
1: Here's your drink. Thank you. To oblivion... Strangling's too good for him, if you will excuse the expression.
3: I'll even drink to it. I'm the one who's had to live with him the last 25 years. Carl, is there nothing you can do? Hmm.
1: Nothing. Except try to devise a way to hit him where it hurts for the longest time possible.
3: I know a way.
1: How? No.
3: Oh, no, no, I couldn't do that to Grace. She is my daughter. No,
1: there's little you can do to Grace that I haven't done already. Or that I'm not now committed to do. I don't own any of this furniture or the house I pledged. I'll land in jail. <laughs> now I am a thief. That's number eight. I've come pretty close to fulfilling my prophecy.
3: What prophecy? What hmm. is number
1: eight? Number eight is, thou shalt not steal... Ah, the other doesn't matter.
3: You don't love
1: Grace, do you? You never have. That's right. Even before this, I had nothing left to offer her. It would have been kinder if I could have found some way to kill her love for me, but apparently I can't.
3: Give me another drink. All right. (laughs) You... You used to consider me a very good-looking woman. Mm. Was that one of your lies, or... Did you mean it? Oh,
1: that I meant.
3: Which brings up the subject of number nine. What? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's
1: wife. (laughs) Or have you broken that? No. Nor, as it happens, have I broken number seven. Adultery.
3: It's the first thought that ever crossed my mind when I first met you.
1: It was in mine, too.
3: Grace and Winston are already in the country. I'm not driving up till tomorrow with Dr. Devlin. The one single thing that would most devastate Winston is to be cuckled. Grace need never know. But depend on it, I would let
1: him know. By heaven, Gertrude, it's almost worth it all for this moment. Papa. The bridge is down those damn spring rains. We, we can't make it before dark. We'll have to go back. Oh, boy. Oh. Uh, Papa? Yes?
2: As long as we won't be at Grandfather's tonight and, and Mama's with Aunt Tilda, let's drive straight to my house. You can spend the night and I'll make supper for all of us.
1: Well, I don't think your husband would welcome my presence.
2: Oh, nonsense. Now that you've made him rich.
1: <laughs> that hasn't happened yet.
2: Oh, but it's going to. By Monday.
1: Yes, Monday's going to be a red letter day for Mr. Carl Markheim. All right. It's almost dark. We'd better hurry.
2: I can't understand where Carl could be. Oh, thank you for carrying up my bag, Papa. I'll just put it on my bed.
1: Good Lord.
2: Carl! Mama! Oh, no!
1: Well, Gertrude, it seems we won't have to tell your husband after all. I'd never have believed it, Carl. I could believe every rotten thing about you but this... Why, you've broken Grace's heart and destroyed the marriage of my friend and your father's. I broke Grace's heart a long time ago. She's lucky to be free at last. As for your friend and my father's friend... Oh, yes, Gertrude told me what he'd done to you. And I was ready to bail you out until this last unconscionable act. (laughs) I now want you to know that I'm through with you forever. You have lost the last friend you have. Except one. Who? My shadow, whoever he is. Well, Uncle John, there's one thing you have to say for me. I keep my word. How? Well, I said I'd commit every deadly sin and break every holy commandment. I've only one to go. And that I'll take care of tomorrow. All right, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. I must have known you, Markheim. Mm. Who else would have the gall Easter Sunday? Well, come in, come in. You know I'm alone and that I make a point of refusing business on a holy day. I come to buy, not to sell. I seek an Easter present for a lady which I must present tonight. Well, so be it. You're an old customer, so, uh, let's see. No, uh, Here's a pretty thing, this, uh, hand glass. Uh, 15th century, see how clear it mirrors. Too clear. I see him all too plain. Look here, do you see him? Well, I, I see my own reflection. Let me look again. No? There he still is. By God, I'll be rid of him at last. No, there's an unkind, unseemly thing to do to destroy so wantonly. And here is an even unkinder
2: You, you stabbed me. Why?
1: Yeah, because I came here to complete an old vow and start a new life. Where do you keep your money?
0: Buddy? No. Help me. I'm going.
1: Die then. I picked up the guttering candle. I wanted to flee to the safety of my bed. But I've done the deed and must reap the profit. I moved about, pocketing whatever I could find of value... all the time, my mind racing, telling me I should have chosen a quiet hour. Arranged an alibi. Not have used a knife that belonged to me. That made me move towards the corpse to pull it free. And then I saw the keys. There was money. Much money. Enough money to save me, hidden somewhere in this house... I must find it. Perhaps an hour later, I was upstairs ransacking the place desperately. When the voice spoke... You are looking for the money, I believe. I world. It was him. My nearer heart at last, face to face in life. He seemed commonplace enough and his voice was kind and gentle. I tried to answer, but none would come. I was frozen You know you have long been a favorite of mine I have long observed you As you were aware And often sought to help you What are you? The devil? What I may be cannot affect the service I propose to render you No, never Not by you You do not know me yet Oh, I know you I know you to the soul Know me? How can you know me? My life is a travesty and a slander on myself. I've lived to belie my own nature as all men do. Very feelingly expressed. But time flies. Shall I help you, I who know all? Shall I tell you where to find the money? For what price? No, I offer you the service as an Easter gift. No. No, thank you. I take nothing directly at your hands. It may seem incredulous from all I've done, but I... I still cannot commit myself to hell. Why must you doubt that I have any heart? I was once an angel, too, you must remember. The devil. Why must all men mistake my purpose? I am here to try you, not to enslave you and drag you down into the pit. That's not necessary in my case. I dragged myself down. Because the devil is an illusion. I am all men. I dwell in all. It is you who seek me, not I you. Now shall I show you the money? And mercy? Forgiveness? Salvation? Have you ever tried or asked for it? The maid. She's returned. Oh, that need be no impossible fence to climb. You would open the door, tell her that you are the doctor who came because her master was taken ill quite suddenly. Once you have the girl inside and the door closed with the same dexterity as you dispatched the old man, you dispatch her. And then you have the rest of the day and night to ransack the house for the money. If you do not wish my help... This crime was to be my last. Today, out of this deed, I will... I meant to pluck both warning and riches and a fresh resolve to be my real self. Your life hangs trembling in the scales. You cannot keep her waiting or she will rouse the whole neighborhood. Up, my friend, and act. As a man in a dream, I pass down the stairs. My hand on the dagger hilt beneath my cloak. For a moment, I stop by the door to look in a large Venetian glass. It reflects me... Carl Markheim, alone, alone, I stand transfixed. And then the bell once more breaks out into an impatient clamor. You had better go for the police, miss. I have just murdered
0: your master. The devil is an illusion. He lives in all of us. And no one can conquer him but ourselves. This is a lesson Karl Markheim took a long and bitter road to learn. But then, salvation is never bought easily. I'll be back shortly.
3: St. Farm is there with a discount for drivers 50 and older. Millions of drivers 50 and older are saving important money with a State Farm discount. They're getting the personal agent service and great claims handling State Farm is famous for and saving, too. If you're 50 or older with no unmarried drivers under 25 living at home, see a State Farm agent now. And like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The discount's not available in every state. Other restrictions apply.
4: Hawaii, Sun, Sand, Surf. The monster linemen battling each other at the NFL Pro Bowl in beautiful Honolulu. And you can be there too, as the honorary coin toss official. If you win the Campbell's Chunky Soup Heads You Win game, get details and a money-saving coupon in this Sunday's newspaper. And let Chunky Soup be your ticket to paradise. Campbell's Chunky Soup, the satisfying stop that keeps you going. Must be 18-year-old or older, no purchase necessary. Offer ends July 31st, 1990. If you have not yet prepared your will, please listen carefully. Without a will, the laws of the state and not you will determine who receives your property and in what amounts. Who manages the affairs of your estate? Your choice as guardian of your minor children may never be known. Your loved ones could face unnecessary legal costs and needless court delays. Now, for only $12.95, you can make your own will quickly and safely with the American Will Kit. You'll receive simple fill-in-the-blank will forms with easy-to-follow directions. The forms were prepared by lawyers to be valid in all 50 states. Order now, and you'll also receive free of charge our easy-reading personal protection guide, giving you important tips and special information that can save you money. Now is the time to take advantage of this special mail order opportunity. To order, call toll-free 1-800-542-1212. Only twelve ninety five dollars plus shipping. That's 1-800-542-1212. Money back if not satisfied. Call now, 1-800-542-1212.
0: So in the end, we return to our original question. Is there any such thing as a man who is all evil without a single saving grace? Markheim came close, but in the end, he reached as all of us for salvation. For once not asking, but offering himself as sacrifice to the mercy of God. Or perhaps the devil within him. So with a lift of hope, we end our tale. The image of God dwells within us, too. There is some small kernel of good, at least, in all of us. Our cast included Kevin McCarthy, Grace Matthews, Rosemary Rice, Guy Sorrell, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. You're listening to an early steam locomotive. A reminder of when it took forever to cross this country, and when people with epilepsy had little hope of a normal life. Today, we use modern transportation, but many Americans still cling to outdated ideas about epilepsy. Ideas that haven't kept up with progress. A progress report on epilepsy. One of the most dramatic advances of recent years has been in...